0: Good. Welcome, everyone, to Season 3, Episode 104 of the Premier Pod. I'm your host, Yash Bika, joined by my co-host, Tyler Chan. In this episode, before we start it, um, usually we like to start things on a little bit of a positive note, but we have to mention um, an incident, a racist incident that happened after Manchester, United, uh, Manchester United's match against Sheffield yesterday, where United unfortunately lost 2-1. Um, at home, at Old Trafford, to Sheffield United. But after the match, um, there was uh, racist abuse that went on, um, on, I would say, quote-unquote, United supporters. I wouldn't call them Manchester United supporters, but um, racist remarks that were on the pages of Anthony Martial and Axel Tuanzebe's, um Instagram posts. And it was, uh, it was pretty horrid stuff. And it was, you know, terrible to see um, racist remarks, especially after just losing, you know, a game at the end of the day. And, you know, it it was not a good sight to see Um, United had to release a statement that they're against racism. And it was good to see that the players were, you know, all together and, you know, banding together against this. And unfortunately, it's it's, uh, you know, I work in social media. It is it's kind of sad to see that a lot of people hide behind social media and make, you know, fake accounts to racially abuse these players. And it's uh, I, I wish there was a way that um A way you could stop this and, you know, crack down on these fans or I wouldn't even call them fans, just terrible people. I know United, when their statement, they said that these people are, um, I can't remember the exact words, but idiots. I think they actually said the word idiots and I think I I have to agree with them. It's just unfortunate and I I feel very, very sorry for Martial, his girlfriend that got their abuse as well and Twanzevi because they they definitely, no one deserves that. And uh, it's just, uh, it's still sad to see, but it's also... Um, it's very apparent that, you know, a lot of the work and a lot of the stances that these players take are very real because they still unfortunately face a lot of these um uh racial abuse. Um, you know, it's still prevalent around football, whether you're in England, Italy, Spain, wherever you go, unfortunately it's still a thing that um, that still kind of comes around and uh hopefully one day we'll see it where it's not prevalent, but it was, uh, you know, it was very unfortunate to see that. Wake up to hearing the news on that, and I, I'm happy that the players have banded together and became stronger for that. But you definitely don't want to see that. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, not a. I, I've said it before, like um, when people go out and start attacking or abusing people in general after a, a loss in a game, um, you, you you know that's one of those things I usually tell people: like, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and just be like, well, what are we doing here? You know, it's just you know. Yeah, you support the club. Yeah, you you want them to win and succeed, but at the end of the day you can't control the results that happen. And, you know, some days you just lose. You just lose. But um I've said it before, I think it's just ridiculous. But Tal, I don't know if you had anything to chime in real quickly before I guess we move on to uh to our next topic. But yeah, it was not a it was not a good sight to see um in the Premier League. Mm-hmm.
1: I I definitely got some things, and you basically hit the nail on everything. But I did want to say it is a dang shame that there are people like this, especially with the movement going on right now, where it's just saying no to racism. Like every game, there's everyone taking the knee, and then right afterwards, it's like as if everyone forgot about it. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is you know we we've mentioned it before during. It's, it's sad that we've mentioned it before, and then we're still having to you know talk about it here and then. But, you know, in the end of the day, you know, soccer is just a game and it's not anything to warrant these kind of remarks, these kind of racial abuse, like accounts and these kind of just slurs. It's just very uncalled for. It's why for the people to even like go through all this and just think to even do it. It's just it still boggles my mind. I'm like, what really? After all this time and still haven't learned.
0: Yeah, it's I uh, think
1: it's something we're gonna have to take a lot of time to like kind of fix. It's gonna take a lot of just education and awareness, but you know, hopefully over time we'll, you know, see less of this. But for now, it's still still pretty prevalent. And it's it's, it's a shame to see Twan and Martial and his girlfriend just go through all this. It's, yeah, uh, it's it's just hard to watch, really.
0: Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It's like it's kind of sad that it's gonna happen at almost every club somehow, some way during the past couple of seasons. I know we have um, seen it at Chelsea, we've seen it at Tottenham, we've seen it at Manchester City, we've seen it at United now, we saw it at Crystal Palace with Zaha, we saw it at Burnley, obviously, but it's something that's still prevalent here. And, you know, we all gotta do our best to educate ourselves and become more aware and, you know, stop these acts when they do happen because it's not uh, it's not fair to these players to go through that. But that is a uh, kind of a sad note to start the show, but you know it had to be had to be said. Uh, definitely had to be said because uh, you know can't stand up for you got to stand up for what's right there. Um, but we wanted to switch topics over to um, some big news that happened. There was a lot of news that happened this week uh, while we were um, well since we last recorded our show. Frank Lampard, unfortunately, uh, finally got the sack as Chelsea manager. He won his uh, FA Cup match during the weekend, but Chelsea decided to make the news, I believe, on Monday. Um, I believe it was Monday that they decided to go ahead and sack him and it was not very surprising news because we've been talking about that, hey, this could be happening, but it was a little interesting. I was reading some reports, more reports on it, that Chelsea were actually planning to sack him during Christmas. They were already lining up some replacements during the Christmas time and I would say that's you. that was really around the time Chelsea started to dip in form so that I don't know. It just kind of speaks about Chelsea's board and the culture that they were already looking for replacements that early. Um, But unfortunately for Frank Lampard, a former club legend, a a club legend that won so much at Chelsea, just couldn't get it done as manager. And I'm just going to be interested to see how this kind of affects his relationship going forward with Chelsea and how the fans view him, because it's always a roll of the dice when you try to go after a former legend to manage your club um because it could end in a very sour note um like we saw with Chelsea uh so i am I'm, I'm very curious to see how the Chelsea fans view Lampard now knowing that he didn't succeed as a manager and whether Lampard now has ill feelings towards Chelsea now um knowing that he just got the sack so soon so i don't know it's something to point uh look out for i don't know Tyler do you think that um do you think uh, Lamps is going to be kind of salty over Chelsea for the time being? Or do you think he's going to be like, he's just going to just accept it as it it is what it is type thing?
1: I think he'd be the type to accept it as it is what it is. Given that he's been at Chelsea, he's seen it as a player. <laughs> just seeing just the revolving door of managers. And you basically called it too during the last podcast. You were saying it's like, I think Lampard's out. Like it's sooner than later. And then I was thinking, I don't know, I... I I kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. I I feel like Roman Abramovich has gotten so far with him so far and still hasn't sacked him. Like maybe they'll give him the end of the season, but and then three days later it's like oh never mind. <laughs> but I will say Roman Abramovich this is the first time he's actually publicly come out and you know said something about the sackings. Like you know we have full respect for Lampard, yada yada All those kind of positive. Messages And that's the first time he said that about any manager since he's been an owner like for 18 years. So yeah. this is a lot of respect for Lampard. It's still kind of sad that he still got the sack. But even then, his record this season, and of course, even just roasting it for most of it this season, it's just not great. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're sitting in eighth right now in the Premier League. And, you know, they're not really getting the most of all their luxury buys, all their new 220 pound worth of players. yeah. But despite all that, I felt like Lampard just needed a little bit more time. But at Chelsea, you don't really get that time. And with Tuchel just being available after being sacked by PSG, (laughs) I think it was more Lampard being sacked because Tuchel was available rather than Lampard being sacked because of just the current form. So that's a little unfortunate. But I think for the youngsters, this should be a pretty decent you know, managerial hire because Tuchel's really good at developing players. He developed and gave Pulisic his big chance while at mm-hmm. Borussia Dortmund. So having him back at Chelsea just to develop Pulisic a little bit more will be good. I think Diago Silva's going to be like, "Man, you again. I can't get away from this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get away from this guy." But it I I don't know. I don't know if Tuchel will really overall perform Better than Lampard, I yeah. think it'll still be kind of rough on him. Like everyone that I've seen on Twitter, at least, that are kind of putting in their two cents on this, mm-hmm. I feel like are on the same page as I feel like Yosh and I were. It's just like, I think he's not really set up for success. <laughs> it's yeah. just how long will it be till the next firing? Yeah, so. it's, a,
0: it's, a, it's a bit odd one right there. I, I wanted to quickly go back to Lampard real quickly and just uh, some of the reports I was reading about why it didn't work out. A lot of the senior players felt that Frank Lampard didn't do enough tactically to get them to prepare them for matches, but also um, help elevate their game. And they were talking about specifically players like Kai Havertz and Timo Werner that they were uh, back in the Bundesliga. They were under managers that were very tactical minded, like very like straight up tacticians of the game um, with uh, with Julian Nagelsmann. And then I, think, I believe it was like Peter Boss, right, for Leverkusen um Mm -hmm. excuse me if I'm getting the manager wrong there but very tactical very tactical minds there but with Lampard um in the reports I was reading it wasn't really like that and they said that in the beginning Lampard was getting and still got a lot of respects from the Chelsea youngsters because that was a player that they grew up with and respected a lot and kind of adored so they the Lampard was able to get um good performances out of you know Mason Mount uh Tammy Abraham, Reese uh, James and such because was the, the these guys were young Chelsea products that, were, that grew up watching Lampard win everything at Chelsea. And they were saying that kind of helped him a lot during his first season. But um, it was just down to him not being able to develop some of the senior players and ruffling the feathers with them. And also they were really disappointed by that they weren't able to help develop Kai Havertz and Timo Werner fast enough and they were really underperforming. And that's what kind of led them to get Tuchel But I was reading some reports on Tuchel that under his time at Dortmund and at PSG, specifically at Dortmund, um, even though he was pretty decent, um, he did ruffle a lot of feathers because he made a lot of controversial decisions. I think he um, replaced a lot of the uh, stalwarts of Dortmund's team that were there during Klopp's era. He kind of replaced them. They were a little bit older, but these were like um, some of the stalwarts um, that were a part of the Dortmund team. And the board didn't really like it. And the CEO, I believe, were not in favor of it. And that created a lot of tension between the two. And Tuchel kind of, you know, that ended up being his uh, his demise there. But I did hear um, good things about he's a really good tactical mind. Like he's very um, able to switch things up on any given basis. And um, he gets a lot out of his players. He's very like he he kind of has the... He's almost, uh, I wouldn't say Klopp alike because I think that's kind of a cheap way to put it, but, you know, he does have a pressing um, style of play, you know, likes to press after losing possession and such. And, you know, progressively, I think he's a good attacking coach, but um, I i don't know how much he can get out of Chelsea because I think they do have a lot of young attacking talent, but I still think they're missing um, some of the key pieces they need to challenge for titles and such because I said this before, I think they need um, sort of that that midfielder that can kind of boss things around, um, and they don't really have that. I know they have Conte that can, you know, win the ball back and such as a CDM, but I, I still, I still think they're missing that, um, that kind of like that, that powerful midfielder that can just create and do everything for them. Um, they don't really have that, so I don't know. I, I, I think like um, I think this will definitely give Chelsea a boost, but I don't know how much. Uh How much of a boost they can get? Because I, th- I still think they're too far off from like challenging for the title right now. Because they they just lost so many points during this time.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just still more interested to see what's going to happen to Lampard's son, <laughs> Mason Mount. <laughs> oh <laughs> so my like, goodness! I guess they will just go wherever Lampard goes now. Yeah, there I was just a- see all these memes.
0: Yeah, there was a Harry Potter meme. It's like, how dare you stood stood. I was like, how how dare you stand where he where he once stood or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. I saw that
1: one too. And then <laughs> people were like, man, what are we supposed to do of all these fat Lampard memes now <laughs> that he's gone? What are we supposed to do? But I mean, we're gonna have to wish best of luck to Lampard wherever he may go. But now we have Tuchel ball, and even in the first game under Tuchel, like he literally was the manager within three like days game, or four game, days. one
0: training session. Yes. Like it was just session. over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think like the players are told like, don't come in in the morning. And then they came in at night and they it's like, all right, you have Thomas Tuchel as your manager now. Like literally wow. it was just like that abrupt. And then <laughs> during their first game, they had 820 passes, which is the most passes they, that have occurred from one team so far in the Premier League this season. So that's already a little glimpse of probably what you'll see with Tuchel ball this season. It's yeah. going to be kind of weird to see that like automatic switch and it was actually kind of fast. I guess it was very conservative just to have his first game. Maybe that's why they had so much possession, but we'll we'll see cuz if he doesn't make any dents into the Premier League this season, which is what he was mainly brought in for, which is like the goal of Chelsea this season just to actually get into top 4, even challenge for the title. If he doesn't do that, I'm I'm not going to be surprised if he gets sacked within a year (laughs) yeah that's
0: right no exactly but I think what he has going for him though is I think Chelsea do have a bit of a youngish squad with like younger attacking talent so maybe under his tutelage he can help develop them to become better players so maybe that might be able to help him but yeah it's it's a bit of odd one because Tuchel is kind of a win now manager he's also a development manager but when you think of Tuchel the clubs he's been at it's like okay like how can we win now with what we have and with Chelsea he's gonna have to do that but I don't know. It's going to require a lot of him uh, to get the best out of his players. But in terms of expectations for him, uh, I feel like maybe because they're going to get a new manager bounce, obviously, I think maybe they could get into the top six. It's going to be a little bit hard to get into top four, but I think they can get into top six again. And I think I think they could get past the round of 16 in the Champions League. But after that, I, I don't think they can challenge any further Um Especially with having a new manager and such, I think it's gonna to be too much. So I think expectations, Chelsea fans, I think you'd be a little bit tempered. Uh, Tyler, do you think they you think they can win it all in the Champions League or challenge anything for the no. time being? FA Cup <laughs> and
1: nothing? My my expectations for them are pretty low, not gonna <laughs> lie. It's just the 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 chemistry is just the biggest thing. It's something mm-hmm. I feel like we've been hinting. There's like a general theme of this season for Chelsea, where it's like, of course, it's not going to work out. Like half the team are just new people, <laughs> so it's like they have to have some time to develop. But you know, under Abramovich, it's like I don't care. It's like you better win or you're out. So I I think the expectations for Chelsea are much higher and a little unreasonable. But at least for me, I'm I can see it's like ah, it ain't happening. <laughs> yeah, if they get anything, it'll be very lucky, but. I, I don't see them getting too far in anything this season in any competition.
0: Yeah. Well, well, there you go. We got Tyler. Tyler's very like not optimistic about their chances. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not feeling it either. I, I'm kind of tampered off as well, but we'll see what happens. Um and then kind of going just looking back at the FA Cup as well. Uh Manchester United did, did beat Liverpool 3 2 at Old Trafford in that FA Cup win um it was a it was a bit of an odd one because uh liverpool did take a lead in that one and then united roared back and then united made a defensive mistake Ch- liverpool um answered back two two and then um united were able to pick up the winner with bruno fernandez going a free kick but it, it you know what was weird when i looked at the results i saw a, a post that um Klopp in the fa cup has been like He actually has a horrible record in the FA Cup. He like continuously just gets knocked out during like this same round almost every year. And Tyler, do you think that is down to Klopp not caring about the FA Cup or do you think there's actually like something wrong where he's just like he just can't get it right in the FA Cup for some reason?
1: I think it's just, I I, originally I would say it's because he doesn't start his best starting 11, but in this game he... Put out a pretty strong starting eleven. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a combination of at least this season, it looked like he really was going full force into FA Cup compared to previous seasons. I think he would have placed like the B team, but even the United squad, I saw y'all put a pretty strong starting eleven too. I was just thinking, yeah. it was like this might be just that like rematch round two, basically. Like I thought going into this, it'd be you know another snooze fest, but three two. I was I was kind of texting yes during this too. I was like. This is a pretty entertaining one. So <laughs> what happened on yeah. the, the first matchup?
0: I think but, it was like I think it was more. I think it was both managers getting comfortable, but it's also I think it was one of those things where you didn't want to be the manager that played a weak team and then like have the other manager play like a really strong team and then just get blown out. So I think they were just exactly. like they were like mind games like times one hundred.
1: It, it's still a big matchup too. Like mm-hmm. you can't just go into this kind of matchup and then play, unless like unless oh, you're Mourinho. And just say, like, Mourinho, yeah, yeah, but, he
0: literally said like I don't, I don't think it's a big rivalry. It's a, it's just a normal match.
1: Well, I feel like every, as you said, every time I see Liverpool playing the FA Cup, it's always they are they get kicked pretty early. Like Carabao Cup, they have made it to the finals once against City and lost. And it then, was like his
0: first season, right? Yeah, it was like his interim was,
1: season. It was some rough times. <laughs> it
0: was Willi Caballero remember, somehow, right? It was like a penalty shootout. Willy Caballero? Yeah,
1: I remember watching that in my friend's dorm, just like <laughs> standing around his computer while his roommate was asleep. And then it was just us cheering and then us crying in silence. <laughs> so I don't really have that many great memories of domestic cups right now, at least, but I was I was kind of hoping low-key that Liverpool would Go far in the FA Cup because this is like a competition that Klopp hasn't won yet. Yeah, so it's, it's a bit I kind of want him to win like one of everything.
0: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of odd that he's mayb- been able to like dominate the Premier League for the past couple seasons and go back to back Champions League finals in in another se- in another seasons, but he can't get past the domestic cups. And whether that's one of his reasonings of like maybe resting some players or maybe. You know, you just never know the psychology of, around it. Um, I just find it very fascinating that the biggest story I took away was like, how the heck does this manager like? How does he keep getting knocked out of the FA Cup so early on? It it doesn't quite line up with his record and everything. Um, it, well, it just it could be just the manage, magic of the FA Cup. Anything's possible, type thing.
1: I think it is the the wizardry of the FA Cup, <laughs> just that pixie dust magic, but. I would say even going into this game, Liverpool didn't really have that much momentum either. Yeah. It was a game when we finally scored in 2021. Yeah, so I was scored, about twice. That. He scored a brace. I was like, oh, we Wait, scored. He scored a hat-trick, right? No, he scored oh, twice. Oh, no, he scored twice. They only yeah, yeah. scored twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, was, he was on hat-trick alert, but couldn't get it. Yeah, but, I saw the uh,
0: the young defender you guys had made like a, a crucial mistake for United's second goal. Like It was like a... It was like just one of those like easy clearances, and then you just had the mistake there and then just kind of let United in. Cool.
1: Yeah, Rhys Reese, Reese Williams made another mistake. It's a little rough. A lot of Liverpool fans are very split. It's just I'm on the side of we definitely need to get a new center back. That's something I've been voicing for a little bit. And then other fans are like, No, we're fine. We got Reese Williams. I'm like, all right, he literally is a kid. <laughs> He's like, What do you want him to do? Win? Help us win the Premier League or yeah. the Champions League. He's like, no, we need help. Like, Wait, we need how old is he? Actually, I believe he's probably like late teens or like early twenties. It's wow. like, yeah, probably, I, I know he's younger than us, but he's huge. But that's young. That is definitely. There's there reports good. that
0: uh, someone mentioned that um, I, apparently, like uh, Subasic, that old Dortmund center back, apparently he's available as a free agent. They're like Liverpool should go out and <laughs> sign him. Because of Dortmund, like Klopp's ties with like Dortmund and suicide But I was like, I haven't heard of that guy's name in like so long. I don't know if he's <laughs> <even> good.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, uh, I remember back in the days, I played FIFA 12 or 13 with one of my friends who doesn't really know, like he doesn't really follow soccer too much, but he just bought the game and then he used <laughs> Dortmund. He was like, who's this guy, Sabotic?" <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> sabotic, Sabotic. <laughs> I was like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> this is first time hearing that one. I was like, "All right."
0: <laughs> Did you correct him, or you just let him go with it?
1: No, I just let him go. I just, I just kept calling him Sabotic after that. <laughs> I was like, "I guess that's his name now." That's way better.
0: Oh man! So, but yeah, there was like, yeah, bring him in. I'll there. take him. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you guys definitely need to go out and get a center back because it's not a um. It's not good playing a bunch of center defensive midfielders as center backs, and Matip can't stay healthy. He keeps getting I know injured. it's,
1: but you know, right now we're recording. It's January twenty eighth. Yeah, we still don't have a center back unless we can get him by Sunday, like three days from. It's not. I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's happening. It's. I think it's a struggle train. I think it's a mistake to not get another center back, but uh unfortunately i am not the one in charge of the board and the monies so hey, for me, if to, you're a
0: city uh kind of transition to our other point but if you're a city you could just like panic buy and get a january center back in Could
1: have buy <laughs> panic by two players
0: yeah i <laughs> got a whole new starting 11 possibly yeah, no
1: like <laughs> oh uh, here you go this
0: but back up Unfortunately, that kind of leads us into our next point is about City. They are cu- currently a game in hand, top of the Premier League table with um, by one point, they still have a game in hand. And they are an 11 game win streak in all competitions. They had the l- the least amount of goals conceded on any Premier League team with only 13, which is incredible. But it's The way it's coming, it looks like City, it could be that year where City just runs away with the title again just because of how well they're playing. And it's really sad to see because for me, it's annoying because they already spent so much on their defense this summer when all these other, like literally when every Premier League club was kind of strict with their budget. I know Chelsea spent a lot too, but City literally spent like half a billion on a defense. They bought ruben diaz and they bought nathan ake then then you know in years past they bought Kyle walker they bought Cancelo, they bought mendy they bought john stones they bought laporte laporte was supposed to be like their number one guy he doesn't even play um and it's just annoying because they also bought tours and stuff it's just annoying because they they somehow they have this unlimited money and they just go out and buy buy and buy and buy and um in a lot of ways it makes it just unfair because pep kind of has an unlimited amount of resources on his uh in his in his back pocket and um when you have that and when you have a manager like pep you can only just keep getting better and and they've they've been doing this without aguero too they've just managed to win all these games without aguero too so um that's the part that makes me really sad is just seeing city and the oil money just keep on winning and it's just like ah i I don't want to see this again please
1: no uh, I'm mostly scared of that last part you said. Aguero's not even playing. Yeah. <laughs> They're not even full force and yet Man City are top of the table with a game on hand. So I think it's still a little too early. I think there's still a title race in my opinion, just because of just the pure chaos of the season where it's just you don't know what's gonna happen. You never you never know. Maybe someone gets injured. I know you never even wanna wish on that on any team, but like, you know, it can happen, especially mm-hmm. with this season with the lack of conditioning, and just the lack of just the time to really rest. I would say in between games, it's yeah. just it's just something a little different about this season. So tough. I think you know, City. They're they're in a bit of a lucky stretch right now. They they went through a few games where they didn't really face too crazy of competition. They they faced Villa, but the others were like you know, West Brom, Brighton, Crystal Palace. It's like all right. so who knows maybe once they start you know they did take apart chelsea and man U in the past month or two but i mean even then the key to winning the title is consistency it's just so we have to see if they can just continue doing this or if they're going to hop on the train of everyone else in the Premier league right now and just start losing the occasional game like
0: (laughs) they actually play sheffield next which is funny You never know. Maybe Sheffield can do the the double Manchester
1: upset, which would be wild. Sheffield have nothing to lose. Yeah. Should we hop on that game? Should we hop on that, Yosh? For (laughs) the preview? Yeah. No, no, no. For uh, the recap. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's
0: actually actually coming up soon. It's actually coming up soon. It's a little sneak preview there. But no, they need David McGoldrick to just like go ham and go insane and like, I don't know. Rian Brewster somehow scores his first Premier League goal and scores a goal for Sheffield or something like that. Way to do it, but that's the thing that um, annoys me about City. I think we both mentioned. It's just I, I just don't want to see them succeed. It's like one of the clubs that I just can't stand uh, more than anything. But they, unfortunately, they're on a hot streak right now. But a a team that is currently in fifth place right now, that is on a hot streak as well. A team you probably wouldn't have even expected to be anywhere near the top after their recent runs in the Premier League the past couple of seasons. It's a David Moyes-led team. It is West Ham United. They are on fire right now. Thomas Suchek, somehow this guy who's a CDM scores like two goals a game, I feel like. This guy just keeps on scoring. Um, I I don't know how to explain how West Ham are are doing this because they sold Sebastian Haller and obviously he wasn't really performing for them, but you know kudos to David Moyes, he finally got the squad he wanted. He got players that actually wanted to be there, and you know they're performing. So, you know, maybe that's a I, I've said this before, but you know, um, clubs need to uh, West Ham was always that club that just bought a lot of the has-beens of the Premier League or Europe. I'm glad that they finally stopped doing that and they're just picking quality players that work hard, work for each other, are not. You know, people that like Samir Nasri, Jack Wilshere, um, you know, Felipe Anderson and and the company, like they're just quality players that just try hard every single time and give their all. And it's worked out. And David Moyes is leading them to
1: a a very, very, very good run of form right now. A lot of people are suspecting if City lose this weekend, there's a good chance West Ham just... It's just that season, West Ham wins the Premier League title. <laughs> it's <laughs> like a like whole like, chaos. Like they should have won it in that Dimitri Payet season. Oh, There's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was like the last big run. That I was literally like the last good
0: season they've had. Was that? Yeah, that was like 16. So that's what, five years? Six years? God, that's a
1: while. Wow. making me feel old. Yeah. Jeez. Right now it's you know I always think of West Ham as that working man's team like you know you know you think of Dirk Count as like the working man's player it's just <laughs> West Ham the entire team is just the the working man's group where it's just everyone you know is just, just saying just working hard there's not really too many superstars on that team yet David Moyes of all people is leading them to success so if anything I kind of want to see how far they can go it's just one of those wild times where like last season, that wild team that was in this position was Sheffield United. But yeah. right now, it's West Ham. And if this season is a lot different, I honestly think if there's a chance for them to not win the title, but, you know, maybe get, get top, top six, top oh, four, yeah. maybe. No, I don't know about top four, yeah, yeah. but top six, maybe. Yeah. This is the season. This is the season. Yeah. So, you know, Suchek and, and Michael Antonio, put those people, put those teams on your back. This could be it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I I'm I'm kind of seeing I'm I'm I want to see how far West Ham can go. I wonder how far they can keep this up because they were definitely not a team. I thought they were going to be good, but I didn't think they were going to be this good going into this season. So it's it's pretty cool to see that they are that they are um, picking up this momentum and. Performing well, but wanted to quickly mention just two more Premier League games, and we got some stuff. Uh, Manchester United, Sheffield. Uh, Sheffield, unfortunately, beat Manchester United two one. The title race is done. the uh, The dream is dead. Not really. They're still in it. Um, it was just a, a bad loss, a kind of deflating one because the players overall just didn't perform up to the level that they should have. It was very lackadaisical, I would say, for the most part. A lot of players are just kind of jogging around, no real urgency. Um, and it was funny, Gary Neville actually pointed out a tweet and uh, a lot of pundits agreed that if you know if there were fans in the stadium, um, those fans wouldn't have allowed that type of performance to happen. They would have got really underneath the players and you know, in a lot of ways, like forced them to play faster, force them like urgency on them. But obviously everyone is dealing with the no fans part. So I don't want to use that as an excuse, but I think it's a good point to point out that if there were fans, I feel like a lot of these uh, home performances would be better. But there was a stat that... United this season have spent more time losing than they've actually had winning in at Old Trafford which is crazy to think um cuz as amazing as their away form has been this season they're like r- miraculous away their home perf- home form is just horrid you know they have so many losses they got blown out by Tottenham really the best result was probably the Leeds United game when they won 6-2 but Really, their their home performances have been bad, and I, I don't know what to chalk that up to
1: because uh, it's it's just they're really odd that they can't perform well at home. I really do think it's a part of just not having the fans because I'm, I'm not going to say, but, you know, Man City are still doing well as if <laughs> it made no difference. That they're just there going no on fans. like normal. Yeah, it's just normal. It's like, oh, I don't really see too much difference here. at the <laughs> Well, meanwhile, we see like Man U, we see Liverpool – Even Tottenham, I would say it's just, it's a lot different not having the fans, but no Man City is just all the same. Yeah. (laughs) But I really do think there's a big factor. I think like Liverpool and Man U, certain teams like Arsenal as well, I think would be doing a little bit better if there were fans in the stands. That kind of rhymes. But yeah, that
0: was a good rhyme
1: right there. It really does play a factor (laughs) because when you're playing for the fans, it really does give you that extra boost, I feel like sometimes. Like when you're playing a sport and then like you got, Someone in, in the crowd, that's just like, they're going to roast you if you do bad. <laughs> yeah, it's so you gotta, that like, added pressure.
0: Up. A little added pressure. Just,
1: yeah, but like, you know, if you're just playing in a mural and then no one else is there and then, you know, you, you, you score a hat trick. It's just like, well, if a tree fell in the woods and no one saw it, <laughs> no one heard it, <laughs> it did a it fall. Is. It's like, yeah. so it's just like you kind of want to do it for them too when they mm-hmm. are there. But without that motivation really is just up on team. And the players and their own, not ego, but like, they're just their own motivation and their own. Yeah.
0: Like coaching staff and such. Yes. I, the board. I was like, yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think also for United, I think this was a good kind of wake up call because I hope, hopefully, like it just kind of gets in their heads that they need to start faster and they need to start more secure. Like they cannot keep going down one nil in games and finding a way to come back because, you know, I think everyone you talk to, every United fan knew, like that's not a sustainable way to keep winning. It's not because you're eventually the luck is going to run out and you're going to lose. And I'm glad, unfortunately, it sucks that it happened in Sheffield, but uh, it, it was bound to happen. And I'm glad it happened sooner than later because this team needs a wake up call that hey, we need to perform better and faster and not keep going down one 0 to games because we can't keep. Um, having this luck of just coming back and such so I think it was a good wake up call it was a bad result I was pretty sad but you know you know we're still we're still in the title race you know we still got you know we still got top four Um, we're still in the FA Cup and such we still got competitions that we're in and we're in so we just got to keep the momentum going forward it was a little blimp in the road we just got to keep going forward so uh, that's what I have to say on the match I, I didn't it was a bad display, but uh, it's just one of those blips in the uh, in the road, so I'm just hoping they can use this as fuel to keep going and get better um, for the rest of the season. But a team that got a win that desperately needed one was Liverpool. Um, in a big match today, actually, it was a big six match that actually didn't end up nil-nil. It, four total goals scored, uh, 3-1 Liverpool win over Tottenham, and it was a... Sort of vintage Liverpool. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think he had a goal and an assist. I believe so. He he performed a lot better in this game, attacking wise. But Mane scored, Firmino scored, and Trent scored. So it was, um, you know, it was good for Liverpool fans. I would feel like to see Firmino and Mane score because they've the front three in general have been on a huge dry dry spell. So it was uh, it was probably good for you to see that they uh they finally scored.
1: Mm-hmm. It was a really exhausting game to watch. I felt yeah, it like was back and forth, back and forth. I was also it was also during work time, so it was just <laughs> <laughs> it was exhausting just going up and down, just like iPad work, iPad work. And so it's like it was it was a good game to watch because it was very fast and it was very makeshift. I felt like and part of the defense and for both sides because Harry Kane unfortunately went out from an ankle injury at halftime. Matip had to go out due to an injury during halftime as well. And then both sides had young center backs and uh, Tottenham had a, a center. I never even heard of Ron, Roden. Roden. I, at first, yeah. I was I thought the commentators were saying Roda. I was like, when did Sebastian Roda go to <laughs> Tottenham? What the heck? But it was like, no, it's like their own uh, youth center back. And unfortunately for them, he was playing a pretty good game until the second half when he made the mistake and let Mane score. But I felt like because of that, those little Times when you just have to, you know, you, you don't your cards are dealt. It's just you have to play due to injuries or just due to rotation, and it was a little unfortunate because you know Tottenham they're they're doing pretty well in the first half, and they did give me a slight heart attack when Sun scored in the first two minutes, yeah, I mean, but was offsides right by like a hand or something like that. Thank goodness, thank <laughs> goodness the VAR, VAR cheese hit Tottenham instead this time. But I mean, Liverpool did have one goal that was called back for Salah because of a handball from. The yeah, buildup, counterattack, but I—it was nice to see, as you said, yes, the front three actually score despite Salah's getting um, redacted, and yeah. then seeing Trent score actually because these players were like the stars last season, and then this season it's like where have they been? But this this game they came back. I felt like they came back finally, and they just kind of stomped on the necks of Tottenham. Just just kept going, they just kept going. I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. it's like where was this ferocity? And Klopp, he was just so angry in the first half. He's been so angry like this whole month because they haven't (laughs) scored in the Premier League until January 28th in 2021. It took 28 days to score in the Premier League. And they finally scored three against Tottenham. So I think this is a big motivator. I think they'll go into the weekend with that motivation. And a happy Klopp, which is something we all like to see. So.
0: Yeah, it's uh, definitely a lot better than the grumpy Croft that's like a, a like firing back at like people and like chasing managers down like a tunnel
1: and such. <laughs> chasing but, Sean Dice down yeah. the tunnel. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I think um, in classic, uh, this rivalry form that a center defensive mid for Tottenham is scores a banger <laughs> somehow in this game because Hoiberg, who never scores, somehow the ball got rolled out to and he just hits it. Like the cleanest strike in the world, it gets Tottenham back in the game. But then we were talking off the air and I remember, I couldn't remember his name, but obviously now I know it now. It was a former Southampton midfielder, oddly enough, that went to Tottenham, (laughs) that scored a banger. It was Victor Wanyama um, a couple seasons back where he scored an absolutely like, like it was almost like karate style, right? Like he kind of went up in the air and just smacked it
1: like as hard as he could, which is insane. It was like EA scripting in FIFA. It's just like (laughs) of all players too. I was like, come on. It was... And yeah, as you mentioned too, it was like, of course, it was a Southampton CDM. Yeah. did it too.
0: Like who never scores... Like Pierre Hoiberg has not scored, I don't think, this entire Premier League season and he just scores an absolute... Yeah, he just scores an absolute worldie. Yeah. And yeah, he just scored an absolute worldie but it wasn't enough for Tottenham. Um, Yeah, I think Liverpool just did a good job of exploiting them on the counter-attack. There were talks though I know that in the, in the broadcast, they were talking a lot about Gini Wijnaldum, how it's looking more and more likely that he'll end up leaving Liverpool rather than returning and signing a new contract. Do you think that's true or do you think that uh, Gini will um, hopefully you know, stay, that they can offer him enough money to stay? Because I think there were reports that they offered him a new contract back in December too, and he still hasn't accepted or signed anything.
1: Hmm. Right now, it's still up in the air even for most Liverpool fans because, of course, I would want him to stay. He's one of the key cornerstones of the team. And mm. if you just go back just like the past few seasons, he's been the reason why we've won some games. Like that Barcelona, the famous yeah. Barcelona comeback was because he got subbed on. Yeah. And he does so much. Like even this game today, like he was so good at ball retention. He was so good at making sure we could switch from playing defense to offense like that transition he was the maestro of it so i think for this season a lot of people were speculating that we're not selling one aldum because he's too valuable just to even not have for one season it's worth taking the risk of selling him of not selling for like say 20 million pounds and then letting him go on a free than to just sell him for the 20 million and not have him for the season and I'm on that train too because, oh. you know, if you take him out, there's not really that many other players on the team that can replace him. We're still developing Curtis Jones, you know, Navi Kita. Who knows where he is right now? <laughs> <laughs> like in a bad way or a good way? Yeah, uh, like he's always injured or oh, it's just okay. like something, something's always up. I wish <laughs> Navi was here, but it's just like where is he? Where's he at? So,
0: <laughs> yeah, because I, I remember think. you had a, I think like earlier in the season, you were talking about how he could be the kind of the, the the key the key man for Liverpool um, towards this season that they need him to kick on.
1: Mm-hmm. But you know, here we are. <laughs> just, I really hope he stays. I really like him as a player. Yeah. I don't I have think, a job. Uh, <laughs> I think that's good it. for
0: you guys though. Tiago is starting to um, get some more minutes and such under his belt. I don't know. I think Tiago has been decent enough, but I don't, I don't think he, I think he probably needs more games to finally start controlling and dictating the game more. I still think he's kind of not passenger. I think he still can dictate the play, but I, I don't think we're seeing the best of him yet. Um, and I'm curious to see when that will happen. He just has to stay healthy because he unfortunately got like a head injury this game, but mm-hmm. he's been we in saw. and out of the lineup because of COVID and also injuries. So you, you guys kind of need him to kick on and start performing at a world-class level
1: consistently. Yeah. We saw a headband Tiago today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was just going off, but at the same time, this is also his first game he's won that he started for Liverpool. Wow. It took four That's it took crazy five games for him to start for him to finally win one. So That's kind of crazy. It is crazy. It's also kind of sad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you do you think he's uh do you do you think overall he'll be like have a good career? Or do you think like at Liverpool or do you think like if he were to have like a really strong like Liverpool career, it would have to have been like having a strong season this season and next season because I know he's like older too, so I don't know how long he can perform at
1: like a super high level before mm, he's still like twenty nine. So he's, he's twenty nine. I, I thought he was still, like thirty. Uh well, he, he might be turning thirty this year, okay. or something like that. But it's I, I still think he has a, a few good mm-hmm. miles left in him, and I think he's too good to not have a good season with Liverpool. I think he's just too good of a player. Like he's one of the, like the best eleven, like arguably in the world last season. So I think he, whatever he does, whenever he's on the field, he'll just work his magic and then he'll just help the team out no matter of way. So ultimately, we do determine when players do well based on like certain statistics, like how many trophies, how many trophies did they win that season? Did they win like personal accolades, like most assists? things like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard for Thiago because of the position he plays to win like the personal accolades besides like, you know, FIFA best starting 11, things <laughs> like that. But I think Liverpool are not done winning trophies. I think yeah. we're still a really good side of Klopp's going to be here for a few more seasons. And we still got the core of the team starting to age a little bit, but I still think they're still well in their primes for at least the most like big players like on the team, like Mane, Salah, you know, Henderson's kind of getting there, but and then, of course, when Van Dyke's back, it'll be a whole different story. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think that's uh, the key man. But, yeah, I just thought that was interesting because I, I know he hasn't – he's been out of the lineup, so I just wanted to hear uh, your perspective on, on that. But moving on quickly to the uh, some of the transfers that happened, one interesting one for Arsenal fans, um, you know, could be pretty exciting news for you guys. Uh, you guys signed Mount Martin uh, Odegaard from uh, Real Madrid on loan. And this is a pretty big move because I'm sure all of you know his story. I think he was 15 or 14 years old. He signed for Real Madrid back in 2014-15 season. And he's supposed to be this wonder kid. Um, It's taking him some years to develop, obviously, because you can't put that much pressure on such a young child, a young teen. But at Real Sociedad, he was a immaculate, exciting midfielder to watch. He was scoring goals. He was assisting goals. Hasn't really kicked on this season. But I heard that... Um, a lot of people say that if he can find some of that magic at Sociedad and replicate it at Arsenal, Arsenal are getting a really, 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 really attacking-minded, very, very smart um, player, almost Mesut Ozil in a sense where he's very good at picking out passes, very knowledgeable about the about the game, very um, technically gifted and such. So I don't know. I'm excited to see what he can do in the Premier League. I hope it's not a Denny Suarez situation where he just like doesn't play and is just like I don't know why they signed him, but I think for overall, he's given the number eleven shirt. I think he's gonna be a really, really good addition for Arsenal, especially the way Mikel Arteta likes to play. I think he finally has like a good playmaker that he can trust in Odegaard.
1: I think that's something that's been kind of missing in that Arsenal. Yeah, William was
0: not getting it done.
1: <laughs> they don't have a creator. They don't have the the maestro pulling the strings. There's no puppet master. It's just pace or just prayers. So <laughs> I think Martin Odegaard with that five-star skills and he's also replicating that left foot, yeah, the awesome. strong left foot of Ozil. So, and the number on the back of his jersey. Yeah. So I think it's not right to compare him to Ozil because of just they play completely different styles. But yeah. I think the magic will be there, and hopefully Odegaard, the the Wonder Kid, will be back, and he will. It will be cool to see him because I actually haven't seen him play yet.
0: Yeah, because I don't could, really watch Liga. So yeah, he actually could play. um, this weekend, I'll um, be enough against Manchester United, but we're talking about that later, but I, I'm excited to see what uh, what he can do. I mentioned that before, but I I think, I don't know how Arsenal were able to pull this off, but you know, kudos to them to getting a loan deal for him, because that's a that's a pretty sweet move for a, a good attacking player. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah. But we'll see what happens, but uh, some of the other moves, William uh, William Jose, a Brazilian striker from Real Sociedad, oddly enough, moved to Wolves. I don't know too much about this player. Um, Tyler, I know you wrote wrote this. I don't know. Do you know um, anything about uh, William Jose?
1: So he's like a player I felt like that's been kind of solid in La Liga for the past several seasons. and. Obviously, with Raúl Jiménez out for a good portion of the season, and yeah. they're playing Fabio Silva, the 17-year-old, <laughs> like Mito and like Podence, like as like false strikers and such. Mm-hmm. It's like they really needed someone in, and you know, William Jose. He's just one of those. I feel like the reason why I mentioned him is because I I wouldn't be surprised if he's just one of those th- immediately just slide into the team kind of players because. He's just been—he's one of the veterans of La Liga, and having him in for Wolves will kind of fill that little void, kind of put some pressure off Fabio Silva to get the goals as a young man. So we'll see how that goes. But you know, Wolves has been struggling this season to even get goals. That's why they're in the bottom half of the table. It's been a real, you know, clear issue. Yeah, not having Ro Jimenez there—they've the strike- struggled. Like, literally, we've seen this season, like, we, we've talked about if there are players you take out of a team, it kind of puts them down a tier. Like, taking out Raul Jimenez this season is really showing how l- much of a drop-off there is after he's gone from <laughs> Kind of a club. scary one, because he kind of yeah, helped, really
0: ele- yeah, he, he helped elevate the performances, like, Adama Traore, um, Ruben Neves, like, their midfielders, like, everyone on the team, and now it's just, you know... Bad. (laughs) They haven't Mm. performed well. They're you know not in a relegation fight, but they are. They're not fighting for the places we thought they were fighting for if they still had Jimenez. But that's a pretty good move for them. And then there's Morgan Sanson moving from Marseille to Aston Villa. Um, I'll I'll refer back to you,
1: Tyler, about this one. (laughs) (laughs) So this this player I thought was very interesting too because this is a player I felt like is is a very rare player in that he's a very good box to box midfielder that can do a little bit of everything. Man, they already
0: got Douglas Louise, man.
1: how many? I more know, but you know how there's like Hullet gang on FIFA where it's yeah. just, he has above 70 for like most stats. Morgan Sanson low key is just one of those players who's near Hullet gang like territory. He mm. just can do a little bit of everything. And I feel like this is a very low key, excellent signing for Aston Villa. I was very surprised they managed to get him. And I think he'll be a staple. I mean, don't, don't quote me, but statistically, <laughs> just looking at him, just thinking I like that's someone I would want on my team. So this is going to be a very interesting one to look out for. And of course, the last player we have on the list for now, at least going into the last few days of the transfer window is Matt Ryan. Yeah. The Australian goalkeeper for Brighton is going Not to the Arsenal. Falcons quarterback. Not the Falcons quarterback. <laughs> he, he's still here unless he gets traded. Yeah. <laughs> Which
0: actually could happen, but that's another that's happen. another sports topic for another sports show. <laughs> that's for other podcasts. am no, just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it was surprising to see Matt Ryan go from Brighton to Arsenal because he's obviously going to be the backup at yeah. Arsenal. He is an Arsenal fan, so I could see what the intentions and they're, motivation they're just trying was to find Martinez two I guess so, except he's a lot shorter. <laughs> 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 but I something I didn't notice um, that Yesh was and I were talking about off air was. Ryan don't use Matt Ryan as their starting keeper right now. They use another dude named Sanchez. Yeah. <laughs> so when that happened.
0: So yeah. I, cause I remember when they faced United, Matt Ryan was still their keeper. So it, it, it caught me off guard too. So it must've been something that happened, you know, during December or late November and
1: such. So potentially it might've just been like a contract issue or just, just a falling out with the team. But Matt Ryan, he's made his move to Arsenal and will be riding the bench.
0: Yeah, I wonder what goalkeepers feel like when they're like constantly riding the bench. Like, is it, I mean, or you could be like Emmy Martinez where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm already good enough. Let me move. But maybe, I don't know, maybe this is a move that helps out Burton Leno too now that he has like more serious competition behind him. I know Matt Ryan is like not as good as Burton Leno, but you know, you never know. It could be one of those things that, you know, David De Gea needed like competition from Dean Henderson to be a little bit better. Maybe that's, maybe that's something why Arsenal did it, but one, an interesting move because they already have their number one. So mm-hmm. yeah, I just found it a little bit interesting. But that was that was the uh, the transfers that ha- happened um, that that have happened. But we'll see what happens. Obviously, there's still a couple more days left in the window. See if maybe Liverpool signs uh, what was it, sabbatic or su- Subadic or s- <laughs> Sabatic <laughs> Sabatic. <laughs> see if Please. they <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, we wanted to move on to the preview section here. We got three games that are pretty. Um, So we got some three pretty exciting games. It's a short turnaround, actually a quick turnaround from uh, the midweek games into the weekend. The games are coming like super fast for the Premier League. So the first one, we have Everton versus Newcastle. Everton actually have two games on hand that they need to um, wrap up and continue playing because if they actually win both of those games in hand, they could move up to fifth place in the table. But Newcastle, my goodness, they are in trouble because they are on a five game winning losing streak right now. 5 or 6 game and they've just been absolutely awful and they are really really close to the relegation fight. If you look at it, I think they are uh one place above Burnley and they have like 19 points right now.
1: So oh, now now they're one point above Brighton. So oh like Burnley moved up, but they are basically 5 that, points above relegation zone. That's not
0: good for a club like Newcastle with the the type, the squad of players they have. they, they should not be anywhere near relegation fight right now um and unfortunately they are and it's it's gonna be a tough game i think they will lose this game actually i think everton will win this um they'll probably win 2-1 probably everton will win because i think everton have the better squad but guys i think there might be a coaching change happening in newcastle soon um especially if if their chairman or owner will just care enough to care about the club but i don't know if we'll see that
1: I don't know if that'll even help because right now you see the Newcastle side is just, as I said in one of the other pods, it's just very structured to strive for just mediocrity.
0: I know I feel (laughs) so bad for Miguel Almiron. He scored a goal, but he's like, I just feel so bad. I feel like he just is not, I felt bad for him because I feel like Rafa Benitez could have been the manager to like help you know, elevate him to a next level, but he just had like Steve Bruce and yeah. he's just kind of just been like, all he's been deployed as is just like a pace player. And he hasn't been able to develop anything after that. I feel so bad. Cause he was so good um, at Lenny United. I, I I was just hoping we could have saw some of that Almirón magic in uh, at Newcastle.
1: Sad vibes only. It's just <laughs> literally Newcastle are in a bit of a free fall and it's a little part of everyone involved Whether it be the players, quality of the players, quality of the play, the manager, and the owner. But I feel like after losing six games in a row, it's so hard to lose the seventh. You say that. (laughs) So I I wouldn't be surprised if all games Newcastle get a point out of this one. So I'm going to say 1-1. Okay. (laughs)
0: Maybe that's a little bit of that Liverpool bias kicking in. Don't want to see Everton succeed, uh, <laughs> but no, he's got a valid point there. I'm, I'm actually, I'm going two one Everton. He's going one one um, draw. But now we have West Ham Liverpool a game that is actually a top half of the table type of fight. Liverpool uh, West Ham fighting for a top four place. Liverpool trying to get closer to the title race, and I know West Ham are doing well right now, but I think. If I had to put my money on it, I think Liverpool will probably get the win over here because I think now that Mane, Salah, Firmino, Trent Alexander Arnold perform well, I think you may see some of that good performances, good vibes kick in for um, Liverpool. So I'm going to go with a two-one again, a two-one. Uh, or actually, I'm going to go three-one victory for Liverpool. I think uh, I think they'll probably concede one because I think defense overall hasn't been the best, but I, I think they'll win three-one.
1: I'm going to say 2-1. I feel like last podcast I did all draws and then I was <laughs> wrong on all of them. But here we go. We got a, we got a win for Liverpool. I got to give the win to Liverpool. And they have a little bit of momentum after just one big win against the Big 6 team. But West Ham once again is another Big 6 team, surprisingly. Yeah. And although I kind of hyped them up, hopefully they don't get hyped this weekend. Maybe just wait till <laughs> next, next weekend. But I think, you know, in the past few games for West Ham, they haven't really faced that many big opponents either, like you know Everton, Crystal Palace, West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Liverpool are going to be a whole different tier. And with this slight edge with Liverpool coming out from this past game today, it will help out and I think Liverpool will get that 2-1 win.
0: Yeah, that uh, you got 2-1, I got 3-1. And then finally, the biggest game of the weekend, big rivalry right here, Arsenal versus Manchester United. Really interesting fact here is that Manchester United have not beaten Arsenal in the Premier League since April 29th of 2018. That's how long it's been since Manchester United has have beaten Arsenal in the Premier League. They beat them in the FA Cup um, during Solskjaer's interim charge, but haven't beaten them in the Premier League for a very long time. And Arsenal are playing some pretty good stuff, I would say, recently. They recent, they've recent they signed Martin Odegaard, who might start this game. A lot of their players are starting to pick up form. Their youngsters are playing well. I think, though, I think Manchester United can come in and get a result because I think Solskjaer will demand a reaction from the players. And if anything we've seen from you know, this United team, they are a very reactionary team. And I feel like with this loss, I feel like they'll play... I feel like they'll play better and I feel like it will be there'll be enough to get a 2-1 victory at the Emirates. Um, I think it will be just enough of a reaction. They need to get a win against a big six or not, not technically big six in the table right now, but big six uh, overall culture wise and, you know, history wise club um, against Arsenal.
1: I don't know if you call me crazy or if it's just the overall pattern we've been seeing in the Premier League this season, but... I'm gonna say zero zero or a nil oh, nil. Oh
0: man. He's actually I, I he's it. playing smart. He's playing it
1: smart. I feel it because it's just all these big games this season, it's it's been very rare to get a good result. It's just either been both teams playing very conservative or it's just the that key sharpness that you would get in a match today. It's just it's just not there. Yeah, that fan atmosphere. Season. Just no atmosphere. And the no atmosphere in a big game is just Kick about you know, the game, <laughs> so it's not as cool. I think that because of that, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a nil nil. Hopefully, it doesn't. Hopefully, with Yosh and I having these two different kind of results, it will it'll, it'll like make some blend happen.
0: together somehow. Those yes,
1: and it will be in between.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I agree with you. I hope. I'm I'm going for two-one United win. I hope it it's an exciting match because uh you know that's all we want to we want to see. We just want to see an exciting atmosphere, exciting match, and such. So we'll see what happens. I has got a a nil-nil going on for the top six, but um yeah, that kind of wraps up episode 104 for us. As we always say, though, um, please make sure to rate, comment, subscribe. You can check us out on YouTube at The Premier Premier Pod. You can also follow us on our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at The Premier Pod. And as we always say, um, if you can give us a rate or a subscribe or leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, that helps us out too. But obviously, listening is more than enough for us. And if you want to share this uh, podcast with one of your friends, That will help us out too. Just share it with a buddy. Whoever is interested in Premier League, soccer, anything of that nature, just go ahead and give it a share there. That would be great too. But other than that, thank you guys so much for listening and watching watching us. That is episode 104 of the Premier Pod. Thank you guys. Peace.
1: Peace.